Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and happy holidays and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry. Along with me is Tim Parrish and you are just grooving to the 1979 New York Islanders Home for the Holidays album that is the uh, the New York Islanders and their anthem singer singing favorite Christmas songs of, uh, well, I don't want to say of the time because, you know, these songs are classics uh, uh, any year, 1979, 2020. Uh, what's not to love about the New York Islanders singing us uh, Christmas carols? Gives me nightmare flashbacks to the last time we did a holiday show. Oh yeah, last year, and I I also used the um, the uh, holiday album. So I think there's eight tracks on the album. So I think I got the next six podcast intro tunes picked out when we uh, do keep doing right. holiday episodes. So we're good through uh, what 20, 25, 20, 26. 25, 26. All right, good. Yeah, I'll Cover. save all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I'll save that one for the end. Actually, that song sucks. I don't like that. I. Never liked that song. I get, I get it. It's funny if hockey players are singing it. I was gonna say that's the most fitting song for a hockey player. It is, it is. But it just, I, I could tell when they sing that song, they're just not into it. Like all the Islanders singing at the same time, like as a chorus, which is fine. It's great for "We Wish You a Merry Christmas," but for that song, it, it kind of sounds like they're like, Ugh, "We have to do this. It's in our contract or whatever." Most of the album, though, was sang by their uh, their anthem singer at the time, Joe Dewar, who does a great job, I think. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know what? Maybe next year we'll we'll mix it up. We'll uh, we'll we'll lead into our holiday show. We'll use uh, "Honky the Christmas Goose" by Johnny Bauer. There you we heard go. That? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quality music right there. Shall we talk about the the big news? The big news in hockey. The biggest news in hockey. Yeah, we've been we've only been hinting at this for the last few weeks, and now we finally have something. Mark your calendars, boys and girls. January 13th, the NHL is back. Don't call it a comeback. They've been around for many years. 56-game season is what was decided upon between the NHL and the NHLPA. So it is now official. So it's uh, basically just a matter of scheduling everything and making sure that um the actual scheduling dates work for all of the games going forward but yeah i mean the league's got to be flexible because of what's been going on with covid and everything else but all of the rumors that we've been hinting to and the conjecture and the speculation are now um moving forward full speed yeah so training camp is going to start december 31st for the teams that did not make the playoffs last year or the play-ins and whatnot. So those seven teams, the Kings, the Red Wings, and the other ones. And then January 3rd for the other 24 teams, because I guess those other teams really need the extra four days of training camp. Don't understand the logic behind that, but okay, whatever. It's like they haven't played hockey in a year, so, so I the guess four, four days, days is better is... than no days. That's true. So you have three of the divisions, and we'll talk about these alignments again, but three of the divisions have eight teams, eight, eight, 16, 24. So three have eight teams. And then yes. the All-Canada division has seven teams. 
And I thought that they were going to go with like a 42 game season. Cause at least when I did the math in my head, it made sense that like, if you're an eight team division, you have seven opponents and you could play those seven opponents six times for 42. And if you're in a seven team division, you have six opponents and you could play those six opponents seven times for 42 games. So in my mind, I thought, well, they're going to do 42 games because that just makes sense. Six times seven is 42. Seven times six is also 42. But um, 56, so that means that you're going to have eight games against your divisional foes unless you're in the Canada division. Then you're going to have nine or ten games. Yeah, the East, Central, and the West will face each other eight times. And then right. in the North or the Canadian division, it'll either be nine or ten times, depending on how it gets worked out. Well, so that they could six, you have six opponents that you could play nine times for 54, and you have a remainder of two. Do you give those extra two games to, like, your rival? Like, do we get an extra two Calgary versus uh, Edmonton games or an extra two Toronto versus Ottawa games? It's probably going to still be at least a week or more before we actually see what the schedule is going to look like, I'm sure, before they work this out, because there's... Mm -hmm. A whole lot of other mm-hmm. logistical things that have to be, have to be, I guess, ironed out. I guess there's still some issues with provincial governments in Canada right now that they're working out the details for. But you know, any issues that they may have one way or another, they they're coming up with contingency plans to make these make it happen. So one way or another, it's going down. So a quote from the NHL from their website uh, says, and I quote. The tentative plan is for teams to play games in their home arenas with the understanding that most arenas will not be permitted to admit fans, at least initially. Depending on the conditions in local markets and across North America, the league is prepared to play games at one or more neutral sites per division if necessary. In other words, they're going to figure it out as as it happens. They're going to take it as it comes along, and obviously the fans are more than okay with that because we want hockey and no hockey. So I don't care if the Blackhawks play all their home games in Milwaukee where they have a little less, uh, they're a little less lax on the uh, COVID rules in Wisconsin, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, some hockey's better than no hockey. And I, you know, listening to NHL radio the last couple of days, it almost sounds like that. They may do something if they have to. Like I was saying, you know, there's different government requirements depending on which uh, Canadian province you're going in. And if they have to, they may do another, not necessarily bubble thing, but they may have a neutral site, like make Edmonton another neutral site again and just bring teams in, you know, as they need. So, I mean, again, to use that overused phrase, it's a fluid situation and it's going to change. And, you know, since we're not doing straight bubble like we did for the end of last season and to the playoffs, I mean, you've seen it in the NFL, you saw it in Major League Baseball, and you saw it when the NBA opened back up. I'm sure there's going to be cases, and I'm sure they're going to have to deal with it right off the bat. So once training camps start up, I think we're going to start to see how how this is going to boil out. But we were pretty close on how we thought they were dividing the divisions up. I think we only missed two. 
I think we were thinking Dallas was going to be in the West, but they're in the Central. And uh, Minnesota, instead of being in the Central, is in the West. But St. Louis stayed in the West, like we originally said. But uh, Minnesota is in the West instead of the Central. Well, and we mentioned that as a possibility of of what if we move Dallas into the, I think the last time we talked about, you know, I I brought up putting Dallas in the Central because them and Chicago have the same, they're on the same time, in the same time time zone. But uh, yeah, that looks, that looks to be what they did. So Columbus is in the Central, Carolina, Tampa Bay, which is interesting because since teams are going to play each other eight times, we're going to have a eight time replay of the. Stanley Cup Finals with Tampa Bay and Dallas against each other. Wow. In the same division. So essentially it boils down to, well, both of those teams can't both make it to the finals this year. Right. So one of them is going to be knocked out. And if you look at the East division, that's going to be brutal. Boston in there, a resurging Buffalo with their you know new lineup that they're putting out there. Philly, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington. The Islanders had that deep run last year. I mean, really the only, I don't want to say the only bad team on that list, but the only team not as strong as New Jersey out of that whole entire group. And who knows, you know, you never know what they could, what they could do, but the East is tough. The West, you know, Vegas, Colorado. St. Louis. Yeah, maybe St. Louis. Uh, it's hard for me to say anybody else other than that in the West. Right. You know, the Central, I mean, you got Dallas, you got Tampa Bay. What do you got after that? Essentially, we're going to be sending the top four teams from each division to to a playoffs. So rather than having, yeah, so rather than having, you know, weird wild card games and play-ins and all that kind of stuff, it's just going to be the top 16 teams, top four from each division. And then, you know, break it down from there. Um, top seed in each division will face the four seed. Second faces third, and the winners face off in the second round. And you're at least going to have a Canadian team all the way up to the uh, conference, conference finals. finals. <laughs> so there's that, at least, for all the Canadian fans. So I like the fact that they're calling that the North Division because it's the Canadian division or the all-Canadian division. I get it. it. All those teams are north of the United States, so it makes sense to call it the North Division, but I don't know. I Like I said, I came up with fun nicknames for all of these. The Central yeah. Division, because you have so many teams that are in the South, I'm calling that the South Central Division, because it just sounds, I don't know, badass. Yeah, and the, the, to think they didn't take any of your, yours or my suggestions. Well, what was your suggestion? To name them after like famous players, like oh. the All Canadians should be like the John Beliveau League, or oh yeah, you know, the Beliveau Division. That the Central awesome. should be the Gordie Howe Division since Detroit's in there. And somebody did make a good point. I heard the other day. You know, we would normally call the East probably the uh, Mario Lemieux Division, but it's kind of hard to do that when he owns one of the teams in it. So that so. would be that you'd have the Or Division, the Howe Division. The Beliveau division and the Gretzky division. Yeah, that would just, that would be amazing. Do that. So 
I know uh, last week I referred to the uh, the East Division. I was calling it the Patrick Plus Division because it was Patrick Plus two other teams. But then I realized that, nope, it's Patrick and Adams Division team. So I'm going to call it the Patch Adams Division because it's a mashup of the Patrick and the Adams. It's the Patch Adams Division, the South Central Division. The West Division is West with special guests, St. Louis Blues. So West and Guest Division and then North division I, i'm calling it the canada division until i think of something that rhymes or funnier or catchier or annoyinger than the canada division or canadian division it could be the O canada division it could be the true north division i don't know i don't know maple syrup division eh. canadian bacon i don't know canadian bacon so um yeah so like <laughs> you said the, the playoffs will be four rounds seven games each we'll have a division First round, a division, second round, a conference championship, and then the Stanley Cup championship. So, again, this is old school where I remember, like, as a kid, we'd play the Red Wings. The Blackhawks would play the Red Wings eight times, the North Stars eight times, the Maple Leaf eight times, the Blues eight times. And then in the first round, it was like, oh, boy, it's the Red Wings again. And then the second round, it'd be like, oh, boy, it's the Blues again. And then finally, in like the conference finals, we get to see another team that I didn't see too often. You know what I mean? So it's like I was like anytime I could see a team that was not a Norse division team, I was like excited to go to that game or like, oh, my God. All right, cool. They're in the conference finals and we're going to play Edmonton now. And won't this be fun because it's not playing the Red Wings again for the 15th time this year? Although the Oilers always destroyed the Blackhawks in the playoffs. But but that's besides the point. Yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with it too. And you got to look at it this way: the way they've got these set up in the West, you've got Vegas, who's got a rivalry with Anaheim and San Jose and Arizona, and kind of Colorado too. You got the Central, where it's always a battle between Chicago and Detroit, or you know Nashville, Nashville and Tampa Chicago. Bay and Carolina, and you know Florida and Tampa Bay, and I mean, you got there's no love loss between these teams. I mean, the battle of the battle of Alberta with Calgary and Edmonton, um, you know, Montreal and anyone, um, you know, I, I mean, in the East especially, every team is a rival of the other team in some way, shape, or form. So essentially, you got 56 games of playoff hockey almost every single night where you're going to be battling a rival. And that's should put up some very, very good product on the ice. Yeah, and plus there's no, I mean, we've kind of maybe gotten a little, I don't want to say tired of the wild card, but like where you have like the first place division winner is not as good as a team in a different division that's trying to make the wild card, you know, depending on how stacked that division is, right? And here it's just like, nope, the, the top four teams in each division. And that's that's fine. Yeah, there's no wild card. There's no playing games. There's, there's none of that. There's no, yeah. like, are you on the bubble and going to make? No. You're in or you're not. That's it. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, and if anybody cries about, well, Canada division, it's a little easier to get in the playoffs. It's like, Psh, get out of here. It's still hard to be four out of top four out of seven versus top four out of eight. Okay, so you can't finish eighth. You can still finish seventh. 
I'm just thinking, you know, back in the 90s, nobody complained in the Patrick division, or maybe they did because there were six teams instead of five, but that's just the way it was. You know what I mean? You play for the Rangers. Okay, well, now four out of those six teams go in the, the, the playoffs, not four out of five. But, you know, I guess at the same time, when you're playing in that division, all your teams are like within reasonable distance. It wasn't like you were flying from LA to Vancouver or Vancouver to Winnipeg, you know, for a road game, you were just going Pittsburgh to Philly or Pittsburgh to New York. You know, how long is that by plane? Pittsburgh to New York. Yeah. Not very long. Right. Exactly. So it's Pittsburgh to Chicago is like an hour. Right. Yeah, you, by the time you take off, you're already getting ready to land. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. Um, I'm excited about what's going to happen. Obviously, happy to see hockey again. I guess I'm going to have to up my subscription to um, NHL TV. Or, sorry, not NHL TV. Um, the NHL Network. And then eventually uh, Center Ice. You should uh, do that soon. Especially if you want to watch the World Juniors. Yeah, um, that starts uh, what Christmas Day. They're already doing pre-tournament games now, and then we have it starting on Christmas Day. That should be a good tournament. A lot of young players out there, and for all all of you collectors that jumped into Series One, there's quite a few uh, young guns that'll be featured. Nice, except for the one that everybody wants to see because the Rangers are nanny nanny boo boo and not letting anybody use him. So uh, they want to protect their asset. Yeah. If he gets hurt in the World Junior Championships, then then what? Yeah, well. Speaking speaking of the asset, did you uh did you happen to see the uh fake Alexis cards that are floating around out there? So I did take a quick look at those um and I just I grabbed a few few uh, random facts about them, which I'll save for later because you might want to talk about those. But uh, yeah, that there was a uh, fake uh, Alexi Lafreniere cards, uh, allegedly from the 2013 Quebec International Pee Wee tournament uh, that have been popping up on eBay. And um, right now uh, it's, uh, I mean, the tournament organizers are basically saying, nope, we never made this card and it's not a legit card, and now it's being investigated by the police. Yeah, the Quebec the Quebec City Police have gotten involved with this because these things are going on eBay for like a hundred bucks. It's absolutely ridiculous that anybody well, would think that this is real. Have you seen an actual sold price for a hundred bucks? Because the highest sold price I saw was seventy seven dollars and seventy cents. There apparently were a couple that have been over a hundred. Okay. Then I just probably didn't search for the right thing. Um, so essentially it's this card. It's this real busy card. It's got the Peewee logo on the bottom. Uh, it's from 2013 and it's got Alexis as a young kid with his jersey in the background and stats on the back and all that kind of stuff. And it basically says that it's uh, sponsored by CompuWare and it's not real. So if you're out there, you know that he's the hot commodity. You're not too familiar with what goes on and you see this card. Don't buy it. Stay away from it. Here's the thing. So I actually own the entire set of uh, Quebec International Pee Wee from 1992. It seems like from 1992 to about 2000 or so, they made these massive sets of about 2,000 cards that had every player, 
every coach, every assistant coach, even sometimes team photos of everybody who participated in the Quebec International Pee Wee Tournament. I know I have I have Marion Hosts card from the 1993 set, and then I know that they put out like a they've put out like the company that puts out the cards have put out like special 10 card sets here and there of like some of the greatest players from like the past 10 years. Like, you know, I have Andre Kopitar's card, but it's not his card from the 2000 set. I want to say it's like a retrospective card from 2009 where they put out like this 10 card set. Yeah. Like a tribute set. Like a tribute set. Thank you. You said that much more succinctly than I did. The reason why I bring this up is because for years I've been following the Connor McDavid peewee card. And the thing is, is that I actually can't find the whole set of that year that Connor McDavid was in that tournament, 2009. And I can't find, I can't find other cards from 2009 and I can't even find other star players from 2009. So now I'm wondering if that one is also counterfeit, but just nobody ever called him out on it because I can't find like the host of card I know is legit because I have it and I've seen many other cards from that set. But the McDavid card, I don't see like other of his contemporaries, like his car, his peers who are in that same uh, age group. I don't see their cards showing up either. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering now if that's also a fake card. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one to be able to to be able to tell. But I will definitely uh, I'll definitely look at it, see what I can yeah. find out. And if anybody out there knows more about it, definitely let us know. Hmm. Yes. Counterfeit cards. It's like the 1980s again. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of ridiculous, but you know, he's a hot commodity. He's a hot name and people want his stuff. And there's, I mean, you don't have a lot of options out there. I mean, you can go after his young gun, the young gun canvas is available in series one. So there's two cards right there. You can pull out his CHL card out of last year's upper deck CHL set. Um, and oh, I mean, Upper Deck just announced that um, mid-April. I don't know if you saw this or not, but mid-April they're going to introduce the Alexis Lafreniere collection box set is going to be coming out. It's a twenty-six yard, twenty-six card product. Um, it's going to have highlight cards and um, like an award moment award card that's going to have autographs and hand-numbered versions. That'll be randomly inserted into the boxes, but it's going to be sold as uh, a complete set. So almost like the rookies, the rookies boxes that come out that look like they're in a blaster box, but are really a complete set. Um, I think I saw it was supposed to retail for around 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. So uh, I imagine that retail price, if it's actually sold in, Normal retail stores will immediately be snatched off the shelf and thrown out there for three thousand dollars within a week. So usually those uh, are hobby only. With that. Well, we we shall see. I don't I don't know any more details other than that. I just saw a brief little snippet about that. The point is, don't buy this Alexis card because it's not real. If you want one, either wait for the full set that comes out later in April buy his young gun, buy his young gun canvas, or look for his CHL cards. Cause those are the only things you're going to get that are real. Right. Yeah. Now. I think, I think if you buy fake cards, then it just, it encourages people to make fake cards and sell it. I 
don't know. I mean, I do have the fake Gretzky Indianapolis Racers card. And I wish I had like a hundred of them because I saw one on eBay selling for over a hundred dollars. It was graded, but still, what the hell, man? What the hell? It's a fake card. A fake card graded uh, for a hundred dollars. That boy, nothing like piling on. <laughs> now, if I told you it was being sold by PWCC, would your head explode? I'm. I'd be shocked if you told me it wasn't being. No, sold. I, I don't know who was selling it, but uh, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, I was I actually saw a card I wanted to bid on, and then I was like, oh, it's being sold by PWCC. Yep, close that browser tab. Don't even don't even watch it. Cause you know it's gonna go for like, you know, 30%, 40% more than it should, and and you're not sure why. Exactly. You want to talk about the cup? The cup has a release date? The cup does have a release date. The uh the the mystery set that everybody wondered and wondered and wondered if Upper Deck was going to put it out, and so many people said there's no way they can't put it out. And the longer it went with no date, people started really wondering. At the uh, expo, I think Upper Deck made a statement about it. They just didn't have dates or anything going on. This past week, they dropped all the preview images for it, and we now have a date, which is February 24th. February 24th. Uh, so anybody that wants to buy me a birthday present, now you know what to buy me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looks great. I didn't see any sign of styrene, so I was happy about that. Two um, autograph patch cards per tin on average. I'm assuming one would be a rookie and the other one would not. Could be that, or it could, just could be random. I Usually one of those is is going to be a rookie mm-hmm. like a an art some kind of rpa right don't know what the price point is but i imagine it's going to be fairly hefty like it usually is so usually about 500 a box or more maybe I mean, 600 it, a box because the cases a case of them are usually a few grand oh wow um, so but i'm sure you're going to start seeing pre-sales for it if you haven't already couple other upper deck sets coming out uh this uh the next couple of uh, weeks yeah the uh the set that everybody's been asking for and waiting for synergy is is back um supposed to drop january 7th um so get your uh, dollar bills ready for synergy and um artifacts which i'm always i'm always good for a box or two of artifacts every year Artifacts is supposed to drop on opening day on January 13th. Um, of course, these are all tentative dates. Um, they can change, but as of right now, that's what uh, that's what's out there. So it'll be interesting to see Artifacts because that's usually one of the first sets that comes out along with MVP and OPG every year. And it's famous for its redemption rookies. So dropping on opening day. Makes sense because it would normally drop right around opening day, but in the fall, um, in a normal season. So it's it's within scheduled time of the season, even though the season's been considerably delayed. So I find that to be interesting, but uh, I'm sure that's going to still have still have the redemptions because uh, these guys got better things to do than to sign cards right now. 
Another bit of news, uh, President's Choice Trading Cards will have a 30% off sale site-wide uh, from Christmas to New Year's Eve. So you can go to presidentschoicetradingcards.com for more information. And uh, like I said, their cards, they specialize in high-end like jersey cards, uh, stick cards, autograph cards, cards with multiple pieces of uh, memorabilia on them. So those are going to be 30% off for a week. So you might want to check that out. Oh, why don't you share your PSA? You know, people don't want to hear me gripe. There's enough negativity in this hobby. But I honestly have to throw this out there. Before I, before I say anything, I would just say this. Collect what you want. I always say that. That's kind of my mantra. Collect what you want. Don't collect what other people want. Collect what you want, okay? This hobby is a weird place right now. And so this PSA kind of goes out to those of you that are maybe new to the hobby, maybe just getting back into the hobby, trying to get a lay of the landscape, figure out what's going on. You've seen a lot of publicity. You've heard a lot of people in the mainstream media talking about hockey cards uh, or cards in general, even. Um, you know, you may have jumped back in when the Michael Jordan special was on running because all the Jordan cards were going crazy, or you may have just saw that the Gretzky auto sold for over a million dollars. Whatever it may be that brought you back in or brought you in, that's great. You're going to find that too many people out there are using sports cards like it's the stock market, and it's not. So my PSA to everybody is be mindful of the advice that you try to follow from people. Now, I'm not saying my advice is better than someone else's advice because it probably isn't. What works for you might not work for somebody else. And again, I go back to the collect what, what you want. But with issues with like ComC, people have been looking for alternative places to buy and sell cards. All of the issues with eBay and everything that's going on. Uh, there's a website like Starstock. Could have been a good marketplace to sell. However, they pretty much simply focus on creating a narrative of this booming market where people are making money hand over fist. They aren't sure they get there's, there's hits now and again, and they get things right now and again, but there's way more misses and no one is fessing up to any of this. You need to be mindful of that. You can't play wall street broker without oversight. And it's becoming like the wild west out there right now with all of these so-called experts and investors offering advice for new unsuspecting collectors, I'll just call them. Everyone that says sports cards are this big safe investment and, and are making the, you know, the appearance that they are, you're, you're crazy. You basically need to have your head examined because any data that's out there, including much of the people that are touting this, their own data even suggests different narratives. People hoard retail wax like it's their mutual fund. And it's enraging because it immediately prices the average collector out of the hobby at that point. I won't even get into the issues with brick and mortar shops selling retail wax or stocking card vendors in stores or loitering around stores for hours waiting for shelves to get restocked. Or just literally dealing in the shady business practices over trading cards. You can jump on social media and you can find that all day as much as your heart can content. I went to a uh, my local hobby shop this weekend. Guy I've known for years and years in the hobby. He had retail wax blasters 
and fat packs and hanger boxes of various products on his shelf. Not selling them for like four or five times, which a lot of people are trying to take advantage of. But he was trying to sell them for double what the actual sticker price was if you were buying them from retail. I get it. One of the big reasons is he can't get product for any of these titles from his distributors because there just isn't there isn't any to go enough to go around for whatever reason that may be. But the real reason for me saying this, there's a guy out there and I wasn't going to name names, but you know what? I'm going to. So there's a guy out there that's offering up advice and he's charging people for it. Uh, this Chris Stuber guy. Uh, who's blowing up all over social media for kind of all the wrong reasons. Uh, His Twitter profile claims he's a sports card guy, marketing pro, sports talk host, former director, player personnel for the AFL, a whole bunch of other crap from Philly. There's part of your problem right there. Um, He's got about 5,800 followers and follows 145 Twitter accounts. So I always find that interesting. Most general people have more follow, more that they follow than follow them. But he fought, he's got 5,800 followers and only follows 145 people. That includes uh, such fine folks as Vegas Dave and Probstein and Gary V and President Trump and PFF, whose stats that no one understands uh, to this day, and a bunch of other Philly sports accounts, just to name a few. So. But basically his shtick is to target newer collectors that are jumping into the hobby and hopefully ones that are following the money that they see all over the place with all these auctions and such and the publicity that sports cards are getting. Um, And he offers advice on investing in players, telling folks that he thinks which ones will hit, which ones are going to go up over a period of months to years. And he's right many times, which anyone who follows good players and, you know, that whole thing could figure out pretty much on their own and all of this advice is available out there for free. But the biggest kicker to this is if you ask the guy a question and you ask him any legitimate question, he blocks you. Now, whether that's for one reason or another, so be it. But if you're not going to have a legitimate conversation when somebody reaches out to you and asks you what you're charging for the product that you're selling, And you turn around and you block the people. And he has most people that are known in the hobby as knowledgeable folks blocked. (laughs) That to me tells me that there's something weird going on. Because as many of these hits and these ha-ha I'm right and you're not posts that he makes, where are all the ones that he's wrong on? He never fesses up to the ones he's wrong on. And he has no interest in admitting to any of the misses and simply sticks to his narrative. So if you engage him on any of this stuff, you're pretty much going to get blocked. Um, He claims that no one out there on Twitter is as smart as him or is better than him, um, which is interesting. Um, And, oh, did I mention the... uh, one of the proofs of his infallibility as a, as a market expert is the fact that when he figures out costs and everything of what he feels these products are these cards are going to go to, he also factors in the shipping costs and tax involved with purchasing. So, you know, if you buy a card, for instance, for $30 and it costs you $18 to ship, well, it's not $30, it's $48. So 
in his mind um, based off of that calculation. So, But he's offering one-on-one Zoom meetings for a price, which he won't tell us what it is. Uh, and he'll help you figure out what the ROI is on your collection and help you, uh, help you with advice from that standpoint and teach you how to be an investor and do what he does and get all the hits and none of the misses. So, um, yeah. So for all the noobs out there, just be careful. There's so much free advice out there from plenty of reputable folks in the, in the industry. I'm not saying I'm one of them or even Sal's one of them, but you know, we do know a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to hockey. We've been around long enough. We've seen a lot of it. If anybody has any questions or doesn't know about something, ask us. Because if either of us don't know the answer, we probably know somebody that does. And we're not going to charge you for that advice. Okay? And there's plenty of other collectors out there that aren't going to charge you for that advice. If you want to capitalize on this and try to capitalize on it, fine. But take your stuff elsewhere because it's ridiculous. I mean, this is the guy that, if you remember, Sal, about eight, six, eight months ago, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't that long. Uh, he's the one that said, called the 9091 Pavel Bure young gun, the um, Griffey Jr. rookie of hockey, and, and said that it should be, um, should have like a, what was it, uh, an 800% return on investment over the next two years or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would disagree with that for a couple of reasons. Um, well, there's more than a couple of reasons. There's well, a ton no, of reasons. But I mean, like if, if, if somebody said to me, what, what was the it card for hockey in, in at that time, I'd probably argue that it was Lindros's score rookie card. I mean, you can make a legit case for that. I, I mean, mean, or you could say Fedorov's upper deck, young gun, French rookie card. You could say Yarmir Yager's OPG premier rookie card. I mean, well, and that's one that he's, that's one like back in October, he put that out there and said um, that he'd recommend getting it in a nine or 10 because I mean, great is everything and condition is everything. So if, if he were recommending go after that 9091 Yager OPG premier, but get it in a nine or 10. Do yeah, you need, I to, recommend, do you need to pay for that advice? Really? Do you need to pay for that advice? I recommend heating up your hot chocolate because if you don't, then you're just drinking chocolate milk. Yeah, exactly. Two minutes on high in the microwave to make your chocolate milk into hot chocolate. I guess my point is don't pay for Captain Obvious advice when you can get it for free in a million other places. Just be careful what you do um, and reach out to somebody that you know and trust. I don't know this guy. I haven't engaged with him other than asked him what he was charging for this. And he and, blocked you? Uh, he didn't block me yet. He's probably going to after he hears about this. But he he actually responded that I mean essentially if I didn't want to if I didn't want to pay for his thing then just continue getting free advice from where I get it and have a nice day is basically what it was to which a lot of other people jumped in on that and was like oh great business plan somebody asks you how much is your product and you say go to hell and that's basically what you know what he's done but I know, think part of the problem is is that and this is just a normal human reaction to things that a lot of times we feel like if we're paying for something that it's going to be better than if we're getting it for free. I'm not saying that's true because as they say, the best things in life are free, which is usually true. 
But um, all yeah, I, I wanted mean, was confirmation that the advice that I was going to get for whatever dollar amount I was going to pay for this advice was going to be something different, groundbreaking and revolutionary beyond what I could dig around and find on my own. And, you know, his comps that he throws out there to prove his points and everything else, it's all stuff you can find yourself when you go to the closed auctions on eBay, or it's all stuff you can find yourself. If you go to any one of the major market trading card marketplaces, like a sport lots, like a comp C, like a Beckett marketplace, you know, there's plenty of places to find this stuff. And if you can't find it, reach out to some other people out there. I mean, seriously, to have a guy tell you that you should invest in 8990 Opeachy Sackick rookie cards or, you know, he's pretty sure that the Lindros Tops Gold 9293 is going to be a super hot card. I mean, I mean, what else do you want? You can go back and look at all this stuff. He says Philip, the Filipino Young Gun from 1718. He calls it a penny stock. I mean, right there is a red flag to me. The who I mean, rookie card? Filipino from uh, the Rangers. Oh. And he, he was in 1718. So mm-hmm. even on that Yager card, one of the comments, and, and I'll leave it at this, even Mick Kern commented on his post about the Yager card saying, are you freaking kidding me <laughs> that you're saying that a card from 1990-91 might actually be worth something? Seriously? I mean, that was his thing. He was questioning it. Because Mick, well-known collector, hockey guy, you know, and even he was just like, come on, dude, <laughs> seriously. And that was a while back. But yeah, this guy reached out, engaged in some people, posted that he's having this Zoom one-on-one thing to help you invest. And I'm sorry. You know, there have been so many things. There's so many bad things and you try to ignore them and so much negativity in the hobby and you try to ignore it. This guy got me because it's like he, he's preying on people that are that don't know any better. And you know what? I suppose if that's the only way you, you, you have in this world to make a buck, then you do you. But my advice to everybody else, collect what you want. Don't listen to anybody. <laughs> Seriously. No, that's that's the best advice. Yeah. You figure I know out what I you rambled like. on for, uh, forever here, but uh, it's just one of those grind my gear moments. No, no, no. And this is good. And this is the kind of stuff that we need to talk about on a, on a sports card podcast particularly a hockey card podcast people listen hopefully for the sort of advice the witty banter and the camaraderie but also you know the the advice and the stories and the main topic of our show is what we're calling hockey for the holidays last year we called it hockey for christmas and that was very inconsiderate to our non-christian or people who don't celebrate christmas but still celebrate hockey followers and we meant no offense by that so we meant to say hockey holidays and not hockey christmas but whatever i did i i meant full offense yeah you didn't yeah no we're 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 totally woke (laughs) on this podcast totally hey man hockey's for everyone hockey is for everyone that is for sure as long as you can afford it it's another story yeah oh my god that's another story but uh yeah, so hockey for the holidays. So we reached out on Twitter and on Facebook, and we asked you all to share some of your stories about getting hockey stuff for Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever seasonal holiday you celebrate at the end of the year. And uh, I know last year I burned through all my good stories, although I might retell one of them here or there. And I know you told a ton of stories 
fortunately, this year we have a lot more stories from a lot more people. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, a lot of a lot of response to this, and a lot of interesting and uh, what's the right word? Jealousy-inducing stories for me, at least. Right. So, our show last year we put that out right before Christmas. So, did you actually get anything hockey-related uh, Christmas uh, for Christmas? Last year, I got a um, couple boxes and some random packs in my stocking, and that's about it. I'm usually good for about a box or so for Christmas. Usually, mm-hmm. my wife will surprise me with something. She'll stop by our local card shop and secretly grab something for me and not tell me, and there it is, Christmas morning. So, that's always fun. I don't remember what the box was though. No, I don't, you just I don't opened recall it so fast. Off the top of my head. Yeah, I think I let it sit maybe an hour and then just tore into it. Yeah, I don't think I got anything hockey related last Christmas either. I know for my birthday, I did get a copy of Stu Grimson's book. I mentioned that because my birthday is a month later, January twenty seventh. I you got hear that, I did, everybody. Write that down, January January twenty seventh. Yes, uh, same birthday as Dave Manson. Although many years later, but still Dave Manson and I have the same birthday, January 27th. Great one, Wayne Gretzky, January 26th. I won't hold that against him, though. There's other things you can hold against him. Uh, Like your stick when you're tripping him, right? Exactly. Right. So um, go go through some of these notes here, some of these uh, comments that uh, uh, people who've interacted with us on Twitter and Facebook. So it's a Twitter name, Cavalo7. He didn't really get anything, but he just said here, uh, he sa- said, I keep asking and everyone is like, nah, you want this shirt, this board game, these pairs of socks, this bottle of booze. Okay, the last one is okay. But yeah, yeah. he didn't get any hockey stuff. So at least he's thinking about it and he's like, nah, I didn't get anything hockey. And it's, inter- it's interesting because I, I encounter that all the time. People are all like, what do you want? What would you want for Christmas? I'm like, first of all, I don't want anything. Because usually if I want something, I buy it myself. But how do you not know what I like and what I'm into? You know I like hockey. You know I collect cards. You know I like Pittsburgh sports teams. So that gives you a whole lot to choose from. But yet I continually get a tie that I'll never wear or a new wallet or some weird thing that doubles as a bottle opener and a nail file or something cheesy like that. So, But if it was a hockey bottle opener, you'd be like, hey, all right. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Should we talk about what Aaron Nelson got? Yeah, so uh, Aaron, who on Twitter is at Aaron to the rink, Posted a uh, a photo and said, my brother and I got an amazing Wayne Gretzky table hockey game. We played the crap out of that thing, collecting stats along the way. Today, I run a table hockey club at the school I teach at for over 70 students. It's a great way to relive those Christmas tournament memories. And he sent the photo he sent was a picture of his classroom. And it's got a bunch of the kids with multiple table hockey games set up on in different little stations and all these kids just uh, go into town. It's awesome. Well, it's awesome for a couple of reasons. One is because that uh, 
Wayne Gretzky table hockey game was like the Rolls Royce of table hockey games. I mean, it was twice as much as other games at that time. So, I mean, if you got one of those, that was a, that was an expensive toy. I mean, the, the, the replacement teams or the additional teams were like $20 each. And you know what, back in like 1989 money, that's like $40. So if you think about like, even like if you go and you buy a team pack of like Stiga players, are usually around $20, $25. Stiga is like the kind of go-to brand now for table hockey games, very similar to the Gretzky game. It's got like the three-dimensional players. But I mean, back then, $20 was like $40. So it's almost like, you think about like a Nintendo game was like $50. So, you know, it's like if you're a kid, maybe you want the video game for $50 instead of, you know, like Wayne Gretzky hockey for Nintendo was $50, even though it was a terrible terrible game but the Wayne Gretzky table hockey game a, a team pack was $20 and a the game was like $140 so it was it was pricey yeah I, I didn't have the luxury of of having one that nice another person reached out to us and they also got this game for Christmas uh Kareen Eines who is the Montreal Canadiens beat writer for hockeybuzz.com so instead of just me paraphrasing her story, she actually joined us a little bit earlier today to talk about her Christmas memories. We're now joined by Karine Eines, who is the Montreal Canadiens beat writer for HockeyBuzz.com, and she had such a great hockey Christmas story that she she wrote a blog post about it and sent it to me, and I said, wow, what a great story. Maybe you should come on and and tell us the story herself. So, uh, Kareen, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. So, tell us about this gift that you got. Uh, well, the year was 1990, and um, I, I was quite an enthusiastic kid about Christmas. I always was, uh, but not that year because I was um, I was suffering from whooping cough, and that thing is quite contagious. So the doctor had told us that we weren't allowed to go to my grandma's for. Uh, Christmas, I wouldn't be seeing my cousins, no ping pong for us, no pool table, no nothing. We're just going to have a, you know, a quiet Christmas at home. And I was really feeling quite disappointed and down in the dumps, so to speak. Oh, geez. And um, on uh, Christmas Eve morning, my dad did the strangest thing. He actually went shopping on his own, which is something he never, ever did. Wow, I don't even do that. <laughs> he was gone for like three hours. And when he came back, he came in and told my mom to uh, keep us in the living room. Then we heard him come in. He just sped up uh, to his uh, workshop type of thing in the house, locked himself in there, came back out over an hour later because let's face it, he was no rapping wizard because he wasn't involved in that either. And we came out of there. He had the biggest ever presence I've ever seen. And me and my sister were like, oh my God, what is it? What is it? Who is it for? And he goes, oh, it's for the whole family. You'll see when it's time to uh, unwrap it. And so the day goes by ever so slowly. And when it's finding time to open the presents, of course, they saved that one for the last one. And then the, he, uh, he told me and my sister that we could open it. As we unwrapped it, we figured... Um, that there was three huge decoy boxes, and underneath it was the Wayne Gretzky tabletop hockey game. And nice. I was just speechless. My sister was furious because she doesn't <laughs> like hockey at all. She was like, that's not a, a present for the family. That's just for you and Kareem. That's just rubbish. 
And I just, I didn't know what to say because every single time my mom or we'd go shopping as a family, I'd just try and find that game, stare at it with like, you know, puss in boot eyes and then go to my parents and be like, oh, can we please, 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 please get it? And the reply was always no, because back then in 1990, that was about $150. And that was a lot of money back then, right? But so how old were you and how old was your sister? I was 10. My sister was 15. Uh, ah. But she she was more of the uh, intellectual kind of person type of thing, whereas I was more into sports. So she, she was right. It really wasn't for her. My dad and I just spent the whole Christmas holiday playing on that. Of course, I was a Canadian, being the Canadian fan. And my dad, well, he got fed up with being the Kings and just went out and bought the Nordics team because he was a Quebec Nordic fan. So that was an epic two weeks. And we still nice. use the table to this day. 30 years on, it's still going strong. So who has it now? Who's who's in possession of the table and, and the teams? Oh, it's still at, uh, at my parents because now my sister's got a couple of kids, two little boys, and they play as well. They're now uh, 10 and 8, and they're getting good. So has, has your sister come around on it at all, or is she still like, nope, this worst present ever? Of course she hasn't. <laughs> of course she hasn't. Yeah. I, I don't think she's forgiven my dad yet. <laughs> it's wow. the point of the matter now. The, yeah, yeah, the principle but, of the matter. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I don't, I also wanted that that table hockey game. And that's why I was so, like, happy when you, when I saw that your blog post was about that. And I'm reading it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I mean, I got into hockey in early 89. And I remember in fall of 89 seeing that I'm in Chicago and it was about $140, so similar price. And I remember every year I asked for it for Christmas, Christmas of 1989, Christmas of 1990, Christmas of 91, Christmas of 92, Christmas of 93. Every year my mother said, what do you want for Christmas? And I would tell her the Wayne Gretzky table hockey game. And every year she did not buy it for me. Then Christmas of 1994, she says to me, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, Mom, same thing that I've been asking for every year for the past however many years, the Wayne Gretzky table hockey game. And she said to me, you're 19 years old. I'm not buying you a toy for Christmas. And I said, <laughs> Mom, I've Mom, I've been asking for this toy since I was 14. And every year you don't buy it for me. And I said, and next year I'll be 20. And I said, oh, and by the way, it is now on clearance at Gamer's Paradise. It was $140. Now it's like $79.99. And I said, so this is the time to buy it because it's 80 bucks." And she sighed. And then she said, fine, I'll get you the game. What else do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, I also want the accessory pack that goes with the game. Yeah, the glass, I got that too. <laughs> the scoreboards. The, yeah. the benches and the referee. Did you did you get that too? Oh, yeah, I, we got that too. I, I think my dad got that when he went to get the Nordics because he kind of saw the accessories and he was like, oh, that would make it even better. So he bought it. But I can, I can uh, relate with your mom there because my mom's always asking me what I want for Christmas. And whenever I answer something I really want, she's like, when are you ever going to grow up? For my mom, what's acceptable to ask for like a Christmas present would be like a fondue oven or something like that. Whereas I'm like, well, I'd really like some uh, Brendan Gallagher game used gloves. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. As much as I like melted cheese as much as the last person, uh, I would much rather have something hockey related. Yeah, well, but, you know, I think it's something about moms. They just don't get it. 
Well, my mom, my see, the thing is, is that my mom liked table hockey because growing up, she and my aunt had a, a, a an old Coleco game from the 60s. I think in Canada, I don't know if it was the Eagle model or the Monroe model, um, but when it was imported into the United States, it was sold by Coleco, and it was Blackhawks versus Red Wings. And so even when I was a little kid, we would play with this old table hockey game. So she was into table hockey back when she was a, a girl, you know, when she was, uh, you know, 10 or 15 or whatever. But yeah, but then when I'm like 15 and asking for a table hockey, she's like, no, you're too old for that. Or I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm very jealous, though, because you got it at 10 and you got to enjoy it for like those those younger years. It, it, it means more, you know what I mean? Because by the time I was like 19, I was almost 20. And like me and my friends would play with it because we we're still young, too young to go out drinking. The drinking age is yeah. 21. So, you know, what do we do? We just kind of hang out. Maybe we drink at home and play table hockey, watch MTV, what, whatever, you know. And But you got to play it at like 10 and 11 and 12. And, and I uh, did, but you know what? I Actually, my dad and I played it every single night until I left the house when I was uh... – what, 2002? I was 22 when I left the house, and we'd been playing it almost every single night because the ritual was like we'd have dinner, and then he'd go downstairs to uh, start up the fireplace because we've got a wood-burning oven at home, and that's uh, how he does the eating, and you need to do a lot of that in Quebec. So every night, as he was starting that, we'd be playing table hockey, and that just lasted forever. <laughs> wow. So who, oh, who has the like all-time this... record between you and your dad? Who, who has more oh, wins? <laughs> oh, it's me. I've got this move that's completely unbeatable. I use the winger and I get the, 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 the puck to go around the board and I just slam my center and it goes in every single time. Sounds like the, the old uh, Red Wings cheater move off the Joe Lewis boards where they yeah, could hit they, it just in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But that's what I liked a lot about this table as well was the way they've got the boards that, you know, it can't go behind the net, the puck. Yeah, makes it really, really faster. And also the way it's built, the mechanism underneath the players is so much better than the, the old stuff that used to be just a spring that would break. Now they've got like gears underneath and that's just the secret of a great hockey game, I think. I was going to say for it to last that long and to be used that much, this has got to be one heck of a durable, durable setup. It well, is. It's pretty good. Gretzky even said when he was going to, well, I don't know how much of this is truth and how much of this is just him you know paying lip service as the spokesman but he said that when um kevin sports toys who made the game in canada approached him and they said we want you to endorse this product he said he wanted to he wanted to endorse a you know something that was a, a high quality product if he was going to put his name on it and that's why it was that much more expensive of a game in in the united states it was marketed and sold by buddy l toys but I mean, I remember going to the toy store and I remember back in the day, like the board games, the board game aisle, all the cheap games like Sorry and Scrabble would be all the way to the left. And then as you went further down the <clears throat> board game aisle, the games would get more expensive. And then finally, at the very end, you'd have the electronic football and the table hockey. And those were like the most expensive. But then even then, I remember like the table hockey games being about $60. So at the time, this was like more than twice as much as like your typical Coleco or Irwin table game. Does that sound? Does that seem consistent with how it was like in Canada? 
Yeah, 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 definitely was. And, you know, um, hockey is very big in Canada, so they had a lot of options for tabletop hockey, of course. But I, I just really fixated on that Gretzky one, and that's the one I wanted. We had, we had an old tabletop hockey game, but I was just like, but I want this one. It's got mm. Canadians in it, playing against Gretzky. I want that. <laughs> and I got it. <laughs> Let me ask you, this is something we used to do when we would play with the table game. I'm wondering if you did this too. If you were down by a goal, did you ever pull the goalie and replace it with a forward? No, never did that. No. Never? Did you just... Really? Well, I can't... You know, I was never down by a goal, so I didn't have to. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, you're don't you remember? <laughs> Because one thing that was unique about this is that, so like with the metal games, the goalies had a different type of fitting. Like the players had like a metal peg that they would connect to and the, the goalies had more, it was almost like a popsicle stick. It was like the width of yeah. your finger and it would fit over. But what was great about the, the Gretzky game was that the goalie control was on the side, which a lot of people didn't like. The fact that it wasn't centered, it was off to the side. And you could actually turn you could turn the knob and you could turn the goalie but if you put a forward you could put a, a skater where the goalie was and then you could turn the knob and make him shoot the puck so we would pull the goalie and put a skater and then he could actually like stop the puck and then shoot the puck whereas the goalie couldn't really shoot the puck all he could do was just uh turn you should try that sometimes next time you play your dad like put in another skater and uh, where the goalie goes I think my dad would be more willing for me to try to not have a goalie or a player in its spot. And, he, you know, then he might have a shot. Another thing, another thing yeah. we, used, we used to do, and this was the handicap because I was better than my friends, is there were these little keychains. Tim, I know you'll remember these. Um, uh, Karine, I don't know if you'll remember these or not. But there were these little figure keychains. They were maybe about an inch, inch and a half tall. They were called Lil Sports Brats. And they'd be like this, almost like a little Cabbage Patch doll, but it was like a little kind of chubby hockey player with like a little like uh, pissed off face. And I had one that was a goalie. It was a Blackhawks goalie. And I would use that instead because I could also get it to fit where the goalie went. But he was only, he wasn't as wide as a normal goalie and he wasn't as tall as a normal goalie, but he would still fit on that, but he'd only take up half the space. And I used to joke and say it was Darren Pang, who was a five. Okay, yeah, you get it. Yeah. Five foot five goalie for the Blackhawks is Darren Pang. And and it was just like because he was little, he was like the width of the puck. So it would really give my friends an advantage if that was my goalie. And that was the other thing I would do is I'd like put Darren Pang in there. I think we never thought about doing something like that. I never even noticed about the pegs and what but now that you're saying it, it's like, yeah, that's true. We could have done that, but we never did. Why? See, yeah. learn something new when you come on our show. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> clearly, that's good knowledge. I have to uh, use that when uh, we're all able to go to my parents again, you know, well, once the end of the world is over. Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, how about it? I, I think it in like the next year, like the teams were still available, but they were on clearance for $5. So then I asked my girlfriend, she wanted to know, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, buy me some of these teams. They're only $5. So she bought me Blackhawks and Sharks, and I had enough to put on the ice. And put on the bench. So I had like six Blackhawks on the bench, six Sharks on the bench, yeah. six Blackhawks on the ice, six Sharks on the ice. And it was it was pretty sweet. See, I never did that. I wish I did. Now, do, did you see on eBay how much that stuff goes for now? 
Yes, in fact, it makes me kind of sad because back in the day, I wanted all the teams, and the only team I ever paid full price for was the Blackhawks, and I didn't even own the game. I just wanted the team set of the Blackhawks, and then when I got the, the table game, at that point, they were on clearance, so I would just buy the teams here and there. I think yeah. now I kind of wish I bought every single team, but I think at the time, I was I had too many interests but yeah, like I bought a Nordique set. It was boxed and it was like, I want to say I paid $60 for it. And I want to say it was about two years ago. I had some Christmas money and I bought a Nordique set and then I got it home and then I didn't, I still haven't opened it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to open this, but it's all perfect in the box. And I'm like, but I should open it. But I don't really play with my game anymore because it was at my aunt's house and I was living in an apartment across town. So it didn't make sense to open it, not play with it right away. So a team set now is about half the price of what the original cost of the whole set was? Depends on the team. The Kings, the Rangers, and the Canadiens do not sell for a lot because those are the teams that came. If it was in the United States, it was sold with Los Angeles and New York. If it was Canada, it was... LA versus Montreal. Montreal is really common uh, and LA is really common and like the Rangers are really common. Like LA and, and and New York and Montreal, you could get those team sets for like five or ten dollars. And then like the Hartford Whalers in like those the Dallas be- Cowboy colors. Not the green ones, the blue ones. Have you ever priced those, Kareen? No, but I, I'm thinking they must be expensive. I mean, all the teams that I've moved must be at a premium now. Oh yeah, the, definitely over a hundred. Wow. Well, I know you got a you got a game you want to watch. So, is there anything else you want to say before we let you go? Uh, no, this was fun. Um, anytime um, if you want to have me back, I'll be uh, glad to come come forward. Definitely. definitely, we might need to we m- might need to ask you about what's going on with the Montreal Canadiens. Looks like they uh, they might have a fun time playing in the All Canadian Division. Let me ask, what is your opinion of that? What the All Canadian Division? Yeah, you don't have to see. You don't have to suffer Nashville, and you don't have to suffer Carolina, and you don't have to suffer Columbus. Columbus. And bloody cannon! Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> They give me fits. Um, I'm actually quite happy because, you know, the way I see it, nine or ten games against the same team is heck of a lot better than no games at all. Let's face it. That's for sure. And we do have a good rivalry with Toronto, so that should be fun. And there's already a lot of bad blood with Ottawa, even though they're not that good right now. Those two teams don't like each other. But um, I'll, I'll be missing Boston for sure because that's the team I most hate. And those games are always so much fun. But you know what? I don't. I don't really care. I just want some hockey. So I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean it's better than nothing, right? And besides, at first there were only six teams in the league, so you know. Yeah, they used to play the hell out of each other, and that's why they hated each other. So that's why you had the rivalries because you saw these these teams so many times. Yeah, in, in the season. Do you want to tell people how they can find you on Twitter and how they can find your blog? I'm also going to link to it in the comments, but if you just want to tell people. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my uh, username is at KarenGHG for Go Abs Go. <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? And um, um, <laughs> I write pretty much every day on Archibus.com about the Canadians or 
whatever else Aki comes to mind when nothing's happening because no one's playing. But hopefully soon, very soon, we'll be able to just talk about the happenings in the NHL. Yay! Yay! Well, Kareen, thank you again for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. It was fun, guys. Well, I couldn't agree with what she said more. That was such a great present to get. Uh, did you ever get a table hockey game for Christmas like that? Did you not, have table hockey growing up? Yeah, but not that cool. Like, like I said, all of mine were, they were never the cool Gretzky one. They were always like the cheap knockoffs, like the Franklin sets and stuff with uh, like the little flat guys with just a little bit of curve to their sticks and, you know, nothing. Nothing fancy. Most of them broke fairly quickly. Mm. Not nothing as durable as that Gretzky set. No, yeah, that one. That one was uh, pretty sweet. Should we go to a different story then? Yeah, uh, Heroes of the Crease Limited uh, goes by at Heroes of Crease uh, on Twitter. Receiving a hockey-related gift, being a game-used Arthur Zerbe stick. Years ago is what led me on a path of my goaltending museum project, Heroes of the Crease. I honestly think that if it weren't for that gift years ago, I would have taken a very different path professionally. So Heroes of the Crease has a goaltending uh, museum project. And um, essentially a Christmas gift, a hockey-related Christmas gift, basically set him down uh, a path that he was going to take pretty much for the rest of his life at that point, which is really cool that a gift can be that impactful. So I need to interject really quick because actually he told us this story last year, but last year his website was called the Bruce C. Goaltending Museum. Oh, that's the same guy? Yep, it's the same guy. So he rebranded the Bruce C. Goaltending Museum is now Heroes of the Crease. Whoa, what the heck? He got double exposure from us. That's okay. It's a great story. Like that's it's cheating. Great, no, I'm just kidding. It's a great story. But, you know, when I hear Arthur's Urbe game use stick, I go, wow, that sounds like something somebody told us last year. Could everybody be getting an Arthur's Urbe game use stick for Christmas? No. Nah. But uh, that's okay. I'll take one. Fine by me. Actually, I'd want his mask more with the cage. Oh, God, yeah, I know, right? A freaking Jofa helmet with the cage on it. Oh, that'd be cool. So another another good story. So Cranny on Twitter, who is at I am Cranny, said every year we always gotten hockey cards. Nowadays it's always upper deck an upper deck tin. Mom also worked in the post office, and we always got the special edition stamps. They had NHL player stamps. One of my favorite memories was going to the ODR outdoor rink. I had to ask um, ODR on Boxing Day. <laughs> And seeing all the new hockey jerseys everyone got. So you go to the outdoor rink the day after Christmas and everybody's showing off their new hockey jersey. But talking about, yeah, getting getting hockey cards for Christmas. Um, I know I told you that one story last year where my uncle bought me a, an almost a complete box of pro set. He just grabbed what the store had and it was about 30 packs. And then he wrapped it and then he found like another six or eight packs and then he wrapped those separately. <laughs> he gave gave those to me, and he's like, "Yeah, I found the rest of the packs." And I mean, it was it was a nice thought, but I had so much ninety ninety one series one pro set by December of nineteen ninety that I mean, these were like my sixth or seventh copies of each of these cards. 
But it was still a cool, you know, I mean, hockey getting hockey cards for Christmas beats getting a sweater for Christmas, unless it's a hockey sweater, uh, unless you're a Montreal Canadiens fan and it's a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater, but that's a story for another time. You know, he actually added added to that story uh, later on, too. Oh. Um, he said his mother-in-law, who, by the way, came for Halloween and is now staying straight through Christmas. Hashtag help me. Um, we'll make sure we edit that out so she didn't hear that. Um, bought someone's hockey card collection and gives me a binder every year for Christmas. It's mostly score and Parkhurst, but some early upper deck with some hidden young guns in there. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that was part two of I am crannies Christmas. Well, you know, it's funny though, because like, I know that like a lot of, I don't know. I don't know if I would trade that a mother, mother mother-in-law for binder of 90 score and Parkhurst. (laughs) I don't know. That's a good trade off. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends on your mother-in-law. My ex's, uh, mother was actually really cool and gave me some really cool presents over the years but i guess it just depends i think that one thing that we've we talked about last year is like if you collect cards most of the time people don't want to give you cards because they say well i don't know what you have and you might already have what i give you and uh it's like my ex-girlfriend would say to me well i buy you hockey cards but i don't know what you have and i don't want to buy you something you already had and i said look if you bought me a box of cards then I'd still get to open the cards and I would enjoy them. And if you went to the the card shop and you bought the most expensive box of cards that they had, there's a really good chance that I don't have those cards because I never buy anything that's like north of a hundred dollars a box. I mean, that's a really hard sell for me. I think one year I bought some, I forgot what it was. It was like a mid range set, like $100, $130. And it was because I had this gift card that was burning a hole in my pocket. And it was like, yeah, sure. I got this $200 gift card. I'll buy a $130 box of cards. You know what I mean? But most of the time, I'm probably most comfortable in that like $50 to $100 range. And even then, that's pushing it. So, you know, folks listening who are thinking, hey, I want to buy my friend, my family member some hockey cards, just buy them hockey cards. If they have it, that's okay. They'll they'll still appreciate it. Yeah, you know what my answer is to the, well, I don't know what you have. Guess what? I don't either. So we're even. Just buy it for me. We cover all bases. You don't know what I have? I don't know what I have. So we're even. All card collectors are guilty of rebuying a card that they already had and forgot that they had. Yeah, I've done it plenty of times. I mean, especially for a PC because, you know, if you're a player collector, very few player collectors out there, especially once you get into the thousands range of cards, you, you think you have everything and you're like all of a sudden see one that you haven't seen in a long time. And you're like, I think I need that. And then it turns out you don't. But I mean, I've done that plenty of times. I'm actually annoyed with myself because I traded for a Jeff Skinner young gun card. And then I realized that I already had a Jeff Skinner young gun card. <laughs> I felt, I felt kind of dumb about that. Yeah, I've got plenty of of dupes and and stuff that I've just they sit in a box. I mean that that's basically what what ends up happening to them now. And then I go, dang it, why did I do that a second time? 
but you're right. It is what it is. It's part of the part of the process. Getting organized, kids, that's a lesson to learn. Get organized with your collection so you know what you have, so you don't make those mistakes. Let's talk about Nick's Christmas story. Yeah, our buddy Nick Weissman from across the pond. He's uh, Nick Wise 10 on uh, Twitter. My sister-in-law, nine years ago. Now, you got to keep in mind, Nick's a huge Anaheim fan. So, my sister-in-law, nine years ago. And where does out. he live? He lives in England. Right. Yes. So, he says, my sister-in-law, nine years ago, reached out to the Ducks and sorted out a team photo signed by the entire team. Apparently, my face on Christmas Day was a picture, and he says in parentheses, I can't remember, as I blacked out with excitement, apart from an Optimus Prime in the 80s, it is the best gift ever. Even though uh, Kareen earlier said that her gift was the best gift ever, uh, Nick apparently feels that his gift was the best gift ever. And then he decided to um, let us know that he couldn't speak for about 10 minutes. And if we don't believe him, here's the photo that he still has today. And he sent us a picture of this monstrosity and it's amazing. So even if you're not a Ducks fan, you can appreciate this. It's uh, it's a sight to behold. I mean, you had... Timu Solani at the time. You had Saku Koivu. I mean, hell, they have all three goalies on there. I mean, everybody's on that in that picture. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much every member of the team from 2011. So, I mean, that's just the kind of like you hang on to that forever. You never get rid of it. You pass it down. You you have a story about it. It just it looks really nice. I mean, yeah, that's your favorite team, and it's signed by everybody. I mean, that's. That's just such a, you know, the, the fact that, well, two things are really cool. That his sister-in-law reached out to his favorite team. And then his favorite team did something about it. You know what I mean? They, I don't know if this is something she purchased. I don't know if this is something that they just did because they're like, wow, we have a fan in England. We got to, you know, we got to pay it forward. The photo says dedication, Ducks hockey. I mean, which is, is pretty awesome for a dedicated fan. But you know, either way, it's just cool when a team would do that sort of thing. Because I think if some of the teams are not as friendly with stuff like that, and uh, no, but the Ducks, they definitely went above and beyond for, for Nick for uh, Christmas. Yeah, it's an amazing piece. So, so John Malone here says every, and he is uh, uh, at John Malone 17 on Twitter. Every year since I was a little kid, I've gotten hockey presents, but during the 2004-05 lockout season, I got a bunch of hockey books to read. It's been a tradition ever since. I usually get about 15 per year. Now I have quite a library. Wow. I mean, 15 a year. I'd be happy if I could read 15 books in a year. And I used to write book reviews for the hockey news, and I'd have to read like a book a week for a while, and then hockey season would end, and then I would stop. (laughs) But wow, 15 books a year, that's... That is quite a library. I used to read 15 books in my entire lifetime, but mm-hmm. I didn't quite make it there. I think I'm, I'm stuck on nine. I think in 89, I got the Sporting News Hockey Almanac. And then I want to say in 1989, I also got a, a book called The Pictorial History of Hockey. And it was this giant hardcover book. I mean, it was like a coffee table book. 
that just had like tons of like giant full color photos in it. I always thought it was funny that like the picture that they used of Bobby Orr pictured him as a as a Black Hawk, which is just like okay, this is called the pictorial history of hockey, and you're going to use a picture of Bobby Orr as a Black Hawk. Doesn't even have to be the famous photo of Bobby Orr, but just any photo of him as a Bruin would have been better than a photo of him as a Blackhawk, but whatevs. Um, and I think I also got the next year, I know I got the NHL guide and record book. And I know that like every year, let me see the 89, 90, that would have been Lanny McDonald would have been on that one. And I want to say I got the 90, 91 one with Messier maybe was on the cover, but anyways, I know like every year somebody would get me the NHL guide and record book for Christmas so I had all of them from 1990 to probably 2002. Jeez. And then they took up like this much space. And then one day I said, eh, there's this thing called Hockey DB. I don't really need these books anymore. And I recycled them. And maybe I shouldn't have, but they just took up so much space at that point. Yeah. Space is the... Uh detriment to every collector because once yeah. you're out once you're out of it it's hard to keep going yeah it's uh you make tough have to make tough choices so 15 books a year for christmas that's awesome yeah my my late last tough choice for my collection was buy a new house so i went with that seems to be working pretty good for you yeah, so far I, I have my collection hasn't spilled off into any other room other than my designated room yet so i'm good that's good. That's discipline, my man. That's that's discipline. Yeah. So we've got uh, Joey Salmon, who is exactly that on Twitter. Uh, years ago, I received a game used Doug Lidster hockey stick from my friend's dad, so I could use it for street hockey. I shoot right while the other kids shot left. I used that stick until the blade was worn down to an inch and a bit thick. So. There's a uh, nice piece of hockey nostalgia and memorabilia that actually got put to use. Doug Lindster, there's a name. That's interesting. He says he shot, he shoots right, and all the other kids shot left. I would think that'd be the other way around. When I was a kid, there were no left-handed kids. I don't know. I'm a lefty. I shoot lefty. I yeah. kind of wish I shot righty, but maybe I'm the outcast then. Well, it's funny that. He had this game used stick, and he just put it to use. He didn't, like, cherish it or, like, set it aside. I didn't get this for Christmas, but one year my best friend from childhood gave me a stick. He's like, oh, my uncle got this stick at a Blackhawks game, and I'm going to give it to you. And I said, okay, cool, and he gave it to me. And it was a stick that was used by Cliff Coral who played with the Blackhawks for about 10 years, like I want to say 69 to 79 or 80. And then he was a assistant coach with the team for many years. You know, I got that stick when I was 14, but I was like, nope, not going to play with that. That one's being set aside. And then I forgot that I had it for like 20 years. And then I found it again. You were smart. Joey and I have the same kind of story because, you know, he used the Doug Lidster stick. My dad had an old... Sherwood old wooden Sherwood stick that I used to use for street hockey and I would tape up and I remember he once told me 
and I don't know if this is true or not, but he he told me it was Lowell McDonald stick. Now, I don't know if that was true or not or how he got it or whatever. And I don't know if maybe it was a signature model at the time or what, but, uh, you know, I used it anyway. I mean, that was pretty much all I had until we started buying like the little cheapo Milex sticks to use. And, uh, I, I think I had a, I had a Vic goalie stick that I taped up and I used for street hockey as well. But, uh, yeah. So I may or may not have had Lowell McDonald stick and, destroyed it and broke it so. well it sounds like your dad started breaking it and you just kind of finished the job yeah 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 yeah. that's it oh another stick story here so uh beagle papa at beagle papa 71 i guess he has beagles as yeah. pets stacy is his name ah okay um so um, he said that uh, he got a Gretzky and Curry game-used sticks, two different Christmases, from my better half. So obviously he wasn't playing with those sticks if he got them from his wife, because I think that you're old enough to get married, you're old enough to know better not to bash around a, a game-used hockey stick at a, in, a, in a street hockey game. No, he's, he's, a, he's a, a, a pretty pretty solid collector. I'm sure those are... Uh... Those are wall mounted somewhere. Definitely. Yeah. Gretzky game used anything is awesome to have. Curry game used anything is awesome to have. Heck, anything game used, if it's a player that you like, is awesome to have. So we got another story here from Juho Jakonen. Um there used to be this big store. Go ahead. What's that? I was gonna say that and this this one came from Facebook. Yes. So yeah, so he talked about he used to uh, go to this uh, big store. One one year they had these sets for kids that contained a big sticker, a pin badge, and maybe some other trinkets and a jersey from certain NHL teams. I can't remember the other teams that were offered, but I got the shark set for Christmas when I was maybe nine years old. Of course, I picked it from the catalog myself, and I knew it was coming, but man, it was just the coolest thing ever. I could look like the players on the NHL, cards uh, uh in my school photo with that jersey i still have everything from that set i also have some sticks and skates for christmas but that shark set has been the most memorable so he got this like sharks fan kit and he's in finland if you're wondering what that store is it's in finland and it no longer exists they declared bankruptcy probably five or six years ago so oh, did not know that yeah yeah so he got this jersey and these other things uh, but then he thought to wear his Sharks jersey to school photo day. You, you don't think about it, but, you know, NHL is like a worldwide thing. You know, hockey's hockey is for everyone across the across the globe. As many Ducks fans as there are in England, there's Sharks fans in Finland. This is a story I did, story I did not share last year. I did get some hockey jerseys for Christmas one year. Again, it was Christmas of 89. My mom got me a red Blackhawks jersey, a white Blackhawks jersey, and a black NHL All-Star jersey. So she got me three hockey jerseys that Christmas, and I also got like a half a dozen shirts. I remember I had an Oilers shirt, a North Star shirt, a Kings shirt, a Canucks shirt, just that had the logo on it. Uh, probably a couple other teams as well. But yeah, I had a lot of hockey shirts. And I think I got them all that Christmas or like the Christmas after. Uh, yeah, it's exciting to get a jersey because as a kid especially, it just seems like such a 
such an expensive thing to get. Like maybe you can afford <laughs> it. It is an expensive thing to get. Well, yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, not if you're like my rich cousin who had all the Transformer toys when we were growing up, you know? I mean. <laughs> I had some, not all. All what? Transformer toys. Did you have Optimus Prime like uh, Nick? I did. The, you did. The metal, the metal one? Yeah. Yeah, I did. With the yeah. trailer. Mm-hmm. Not the all-plastic Power Master Prime that came out in 88, uh, I think, but uh, yeah. The original no. Optimus Prime from 84. Yeah, I had the uh, the all-metal one. Got sold at a yard sale, I think, for a dollar. Hmm. So, yeah. I uh, think I sold the broken Optimus Prime for about $30 about 15 years ago. So, that just puts things in perspective. No. Uh, I, guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee if I still had that thing, it would go for a little more than a dollar, even at a garage sale. Stephen Hall, excuse me, Stephen Hall, Ben, I'm expecting a new hockey bag for Christmas, have gotten more than a few jerseys and occasionally a box of cards. And then our buddy Bill Kingsley, who's a big hockey card collector. So Bill Kingsley says, I've gotten hockey cards in all three Christmases I've been collecting. I suspect this year will bring more. In 2017, I got a box of 1617 Series 2 and 1718 Series 1. In uh, 2018, I got some blasters, but no hockey boxes. I did get NASCAR and Olympic hobby boxes. And last year, I got Opeachy and Tops, Opeachy cards and Tops stickers. So nice. Yeah. So some people do get cards for Christmas. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I get cards too. I just never remember what they are. I should probably write them down. Mm. Well, eh, but, yeah, but who? Come on, man. Who writes you know down? I'm, if I get any of this year, I'm writing them down for next year's show notes. Sure. That way I'll dig and I'll dig them up when it's time. That yeah, way no, I remember. That's that's a good idea. And then, then the I last can have something constructive to contribute. Oh no, you've uh, you, you do. <laughs> but this last one I want to describe because we're gonna put a picture of it down in the notes section. Um, from Glenn Silverman. So I know Glenn. Actually, uh, actually, we've played hockey together for many years. Um, he plays goalie. Uh, he's also a nurse. So he's been working a lot, obviously, over the past year. But uh, he plays goalie. He was the goalie on my team for a couple of seasons. So I wasn't surprised when he shared this picture. No words, just a picture. It's this hockey goalie. I want to say it's a lamp. It looks like a lamp or a light of some sort. And it is badass. It's just like this silhouette of this goalie, and it's just like glowing like yellow and red. Yeah, it's on a little stand, and it's probably made out of some kind of plexiglass or acetate or something that uh, helps illuminate. And it looks like it's probably etched, so mm -hmm. you can see the um, the outline of the, the goaltender in it. And it's lit up, like you said, with a red or yellow light. So it's it's kind of cool. We'll put a picture of it. So you guys can see if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. So uh, there's some great uh, stories that people shared about their uh, getting hockey for the holidays. Did you get um, the one from Tyler, too? Uh, no. Why don't you give that oh. one to us? Yeah. Tyler, Tyler Tennyson, who's Tyler Tenney, uh, Twitter. He said, my wife surprised me with a Zuccarello game used auto puck for Christmas one year. Zook will always be one of my favorite players, and this puck was the first game-used item in my collection. The puck is on the top shelf in this fairly recent photo, and he sent a picture. He's got a helmet, 
and the puck and all sorts of all sorts of goodies. So Zuccarello. I think that's the first time I've had anybody tell me they were a big Zuccarello fan. Not that they shouldn't be, but I think that's the first time I've heard of one. Well, you you know, you you'll be surprised at some of the uh, players that people collect. Eric Tangrady, Carter Hutton. Who collects Eric Tangrady? So did we uh did we exhaust all of our hockey holiday stories? Yeah, I don't have any more. I I did a quick uh quick run through of our uh, request to see if there was anything new that I might have missed, but uh didn't see anything, so. Yeah. Well, so I think I think we hit we hit all the audience participation that we had for the year. That's great. So we need to start giving out participation trophies. We should. And uh, I think we'll just end it here. Yeah. Sounds good. Just All right. Well, wish a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody out there, because we won't uh, we won't hear from you or talk to you until after the uh, after the holiday season's over. This is true, yeah. Although I have a little surprise planned for you all next week. And uh, you'll see. There's going to be one more podcast before the new year. But uh, you'll see it when it comes out. So uh, that's it. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you like the show, please like and subscribe. And until next time, have a uh, happy holiday and a happy new year. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.